episode 784. After the opening weekend of March Madness, it's back to preparing for the NFL draft. Cornerback is a need for the Green Bay Packers, and to discuss cornerback prospects, we're joined by Eric Galco of the Sporting News. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and we're talking NFL Draft. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone today. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're talking to Eric Galco of Optimum Scouting and the Sporting News joining us. Eric, how does your bracket look today? It looks great. I have Duke and Villanova both in my Elite Eight and one of those going to the championship game. So I've been in, I've been in brackets for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think that happened to a lot of people. Um, enough about uh, March Madness. Uh, we got a lot to talk about regarding the NFL draft here. Uh, we've got a cornerback theme for today's episode in part because I think it's a need for the Green Bay Packers and in part because I think it's newsworthy as it applies to several prospects. So, Eric, it, it kind of might be old news by now, but what is the impact of the injury to Washington cornerback Sidney Jones at his pro day? Happened about two weeks or so ago. How far does he slide, and, and, and when do you think he'll be able to actually come back and play football? Yeah, you know, I know people elsewhere in the media. I, I know my people I know at NFL Network and, and ESPN.com like Sidney Jones a lot. I never felt he was worth a top 20 pick, told he was in that late first, early second round area. I talked to one scout at the NFL Combine who preferred his teammate Kevin King over him as a prospect. So I think the injury is going to hurt Sidney Jones to drop, probably drop him at least a round grade because he may not be ready for fall or spring training camp and, and uh, summer camp. And I think it's really important for teams to have those guys. And you see White last year who missed the whole season because of lingering injuries. But I think Sidney Jones goes someplace on day two, probably early third round or late second round. Interesting. Uh, Last week, Michigan cornerback Jordan Lewis made headlines for all the wrong reasons, charged with domestic abuse. Did you consider him to be the best nickel cornerback in this draft before the incident, and how do you think that incident will affect him? You know, I think he was certainly up there. I think him, uh, the the Tennessee cornerback as well, both guys in the mix, the top nickel cornerback. And a lot of guys, you know, we don't think of guys as nickel cornerbacks because they're top-rated corners, but guys like Marlon Humphrey, Davis, White of LSU could both play that role as well. But I think he was in the mix. He has fantastic ball field, had a strong senior bowl week. It was going to hurt a lot. I think the NFL obviously has a stance on domestic violence. I think teams are going to weigh that heavily. But just like with other players who have these issues in the past, if the talent outweighs the issues, they'll still go someplace on where they're projected to go. But I think for Jordan Lewis, because he's an undersized cornerback, because he plays kind of a niche role in a defense and that nickel spot with other guys in this draft class you can fill that area i think he'll be drafted someplace on day three i think he's still worth that we've seen guys even from michigan like flank frank clark have on the field issues and still go high in the draft but i think overall he's going to be a day three pick and probably have a top nickel cornerback taken but i'd be surprised he wasn't drafted once the details come out in this event and keep in mind this is very fresh as an incident we're not sure exactly what happened quite yet i think once more details come out we'll have a clearer picture as far as if he's a draft pick or not but certainly not a good time 
this instance that happens for a top prospect. Yeah, it was disappointing to hear about that. Eric, I asked this question to another guest before the NFL Combine. I wanted to know which cornerbacks you think absolutely positively won't be on the board at number 29 when the Green Bay Packers pick. You know, Marshawn Lattimore was one answer, which I think there seems to be a consensus about that. But our guest also mentioned Tease Tabor at the time, once again, before the NFL Combine. Is there anyone else you think won't be available? Yeah, I don't think I don't know Marshawn Lattimore will be available. I don't think Marlon Humphrey of Alabama will be available. I know a lot of teams are confident in his NFL projection, and I think he'll go someplace in the top 25. But after that, it's a strange mix of it's a very talented cornerback class, but also a very deep one. I think teams early in that draft class want to take advantage of getting one of the top pass rushers, getting an offensive tackle, which will be in the man in the 20s, and, and the teams finding their quarterback. I think all those other positions which aren't as deep as cornerback will probably give the Packers more options for a top player later in round one. But I think after Marshawn Lattimore and probably Marlon Humphrey, Jalen Tabor's mediocre NFL combine, Quincy Wilson of Florida has some fans. I'm a big fan for Davius White from LSU, but – I think a lot of guys will be in that mix for the late 20s area. But as far as who definitely won't be there, I'll say Marshawn Lattimore and Marlon Humphrey are gone by then. Now, obviously, that question you know, kind of assumes that the Packers won't be trading up, which they could do. We'll see. Uh, but, Eric, so in light of that last question, who do you think might be the best cornerback on the board of the guys that are left? So after, after Lattimore, after Humphrey, who's, who's the next guy that might be ten, potentially available at 29? Yes, our next cornerback on our board is, as I mentioned earlier, Tredavious White of LSU. He is a sub-six-foot cornerback, which is now the end of the world for some teams in terms of evaluating cornerback prospects. I'm not sure if the Packers will describe that they have it in recent years. Um, but I think he'll be the desk guy available. He'll likely go someplace late round one, early round two, not unlike Jason Verrett of TCU's draft break coming out of uh, college two years ago, I think three years ago, when he was going to be that late first, early second round area and ended up going round one of the Chargers and being probably the best cornerback in that class or one of the best cornerbacks in that class. I think he'll be the best guy available. I think Jalen Tabor and Quincy Wilson of Florida will both be available. And then you get in kind of the gray area of, of second-round guys. I know Fabian Morneau of UCLA has a lot of buzz right now. Not, I'm not his biggest fan. I think I a lot of excitement coming into the year as a second, third-round pick, and he kind of held firm there most of the year for us. And also Gary on Conley of Ohio State also in that mix as well. But those two guys are more upside guys, guys I'm not as big a fan of, but the NFL seems to be. Interesting prospects. We're talking to Eric Galco of Optimum Scouting and the Sporting News here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Eric, uh, this guy might not be a day one or even a day two prospect, but but one of the last pro day workouts this past Friday was at Oregon State where cornerback Treston DeCoud was one of the main attractions. What are just your impressions of him? Yeah, I think he's going to be a cornerback or safety hybrid. Um, he could play both spots. Certainly his cousin, Thomas Aku, played in uh, in the NFL. I think he's still in the NFL as of right now, but he's definitely a draft pick the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I think that kind of hybrid ability to play cornerback, to play probably a strong safety spot in a cover three defense and really utilize a short area ability to potential physicality, I, I like a lot about him. So I think he's going to be a day three guy who has some versatility, certainly a guy who played special teams in his college career. We have to do that early on in the NFL, but I think he's a, he's a strong pick for a team that wants to run either cover two with him at cornerback, cover three as a strong safety, or just kind of move him around because he's physical. He finishes 
underneath routes and doesn't lose contact and doesn't make too much contact in terms of interference-wise. So I think overall he's a strong quarterback prospect for day three, and I think even in a loaded draft class, having his special teams and versatility aspect will make him somewhere maybe as high as round three or probably close to round four or five. Cool, cool. Uh, as for the Pro Day workouts taking place today on Monday, North Carolina State's Jack Tocho uh, will be working out. He, he might not be another premier prospect, but what do you think his future is in the NFL? Yeah, I think he's going to be a French draft pick in this class. I like his safety teammate Josh Jones a lot more. Um, as a prospect, I think Jones is going to be maybe a sleeper top 100 pick. He's going to test pretty well again in this Pro Day. Um, I'm really impressed. But as far as Socho, it's, it's a strong cornerback class. Doesn't do anything too well. I think he's going to be, again, a cover two type guy uh, who's got to play in that short mid area and be physical up front. That's kind of what NC State has always done in the past uh, with their defensive backs. So as far as being a, a worthy draft pick, I'm not sure in a deeper cornerback class. We have him someplace in the early 30s, and, and usually that means draft pick, but we'll see what happens in this draft class. So I think he's a day three guy, and uh, unless he can test really well, he'll be someplace on, on late day three, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Well, we've run the gamut from high-round draft picks at cornerback to the late-round prospects. Eric, you know, do you have a mock draft pick for the Green Bay Packers? It doesn't necessarily have to be a cornerback. Maybe it is. I won't hold you to it, but but I'm curious who you think that person could be or might be. Yeah, I'm fascinated if they, if they kind of see what kind of offensive lineman or even receiver drops them in the draft. I think there's a chance one of the top receivers like Mike Williams could flip to there. What if an offensive hmm. lineman like Forrest Lance who kind of fits the Green Bay Packers personality of an offensive lineman? That's certainly appealing. And then pass rusher. I think Jordan Willis of Kansas State is kind of eased into their pass rushing role and can be another incursion of Nick Perry um, and kind of add some versatility to that pass rush as well. But quarterback certainly their biggest need. Um, in my opinion, I think they're going to find a lot of options there as well. If I had to pick a guy right now, if I'm not going to go pass rusher like Jordan Willis or what Peg a receiver or offensive lineman who probably won't be there. Um, I'll say Quincy Wilson of Florida. I think his physicality, his ability to kind of play along the sidelines, play that boundary cornerback, uh, not unlike kind of Casey Hayward in that dynamic, although a bigger and stronger version of him. I, I think Quincy Wilson would be my projected pick right now. But the Green Bay Packers are in a great spot because their biggest need, in my opinion, is cornerback. They don't want to pass rusher as well. Both of those are loaded in this draft class, and they can really not rush or reach take a position at player at those spots because they can always get those guys on day two or day three. And the Packers, as frustrating as their defense might have been, they don't need desperation starters right now. Got to keep adding to the talent pool and adding pass rushers and quarterbacks to help their defense. Yeah, that is good news for the Green Bay Packers. Eric, before we let you go, uh, you got a draft guide out this year. Can you just tell our listeners how they could get one online? Absolutely. It's our eighth year as our draft guide. I believe we're one of the longest-standing draft guides available and. You know, every year NFL teams get our work. NFL teams work with us as well as CFL teams, agents, college all-star games, the work. This is our opportunity for people who follow up from scouting or want to stand to know what the NFL draft and get our thorough reports and analytics and all that kind of good stuff that NFL teams are getting as well. Um, that's kind of our mantra is working with the NFL and pro teams and professional clients, fans, and, and people who want to know what the hell's going on in the draft. I uh, can certainly appreciate that information as well. So, the draft guide, go to the Twitter page. Um, it's the best way to find it, twitter.com slash optimum scouting. It's in my uh, information page, and you click on the link. And it's only $10. Uh, it's a pre-order. It should be available by tomorrow morning. And you can pre-order now and get your copy tomorrow morning with your coffee. Perfect. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll direct our listeners there and uh, uh, keep up the good work with Optimum Scouting. Thanks, Brian. Take care.
Eric Gelko of the Sporting News and Optimum Scouting joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Today's show is brought to you by B-Rock, Madison's forthcoming craft beer bar, of which I'm the prospective owner. We've started a GoFundMe campaign to raise startup capital for the project, and I hope you'll consider contributing. Here's a clip that we created for the campaign. Please take a listen. Hey everyone, this is Brian Caravu, and hopefully sometime soon you'll know me as the owner of Beer Rock, a craft beer bar in Madison, Wisconsin. You might be asking, what the heck is a Beer Rock? Well, it's the family recipe of my wife Amanda, and it's going to be the signature item on our menu. In its simplest terms, a Beer Rock is similar to a pasty, except better. It's a savory pastry filled with beef, sauerkraut, onion, cheese, and seasoning. At least that's the traditional version. We also plan on having other various interpretations. How does a Korean birok with pork and kimchi sound? To make this a reality, however, we need your help. We're looking to get a small business loan to do all sorts of things like lease a property and buy all the equipment we need. That's why we set up a GoFundMe campaign. Your donation will go towards the equity needed to secure that loan. Once that's done, the dominoes will start falling. Best of all, we've created several reward levels to thank you for your generosity. They range from branded t-shirts to free food and drink on premise. So please take the time to explore and thank you for your consideration. We hope you become one of the founding members of B-Rock and Bottoms Up. To contribute, please visit GoFundMe.com slash B-Rock. That's B-I-E-R-O-C-K. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment. ESPN shared the details of the contract signed by cornerback Devon House on Monday. That's ESPN.com's Rob Domovsky, the most recent free agent acquisition of the Green Bay Packers. House's contract is a one-year deal worth a cash value of up to $2.8 million. That includes an $8,500 signing bonus, so that's the only portion that's guaranteed money. His base salary, meanwhile, is $1.5 million. Of course, he has to be on the roster to make that amount of money. He has roster bonuses worth up to $300,000, which breaks down to an average of $18,750 for each game he's on the game day active roster. And he's got a $150,000 workout bonus. So basically during the offseason portion, if he takes part in OTAs, if he takes part in minicamp. Well, I guess not minicamp. That's mandatory, but OTAs, he would get that. 150 grand. Uh, that money makes House the highest paid cornerback on the Packers roster, primarily because he's the only one to reach free agency so far. All the other Packers cornerbacks are still on their rookie contracts signed after they were drafted or after they signed for the first time with the Green Bay Packers. 
Devon House isn't likely to be the only cornerback the Packers have this offseason. If they don't add any more free agents, they're quite probably going to add one in the NFL draft. And, and really, they brought House in to be the elder statesman at the position on just a one-year contract. He's not the future of the position in Green Bay. But he is the guy that's going to mentor the younger players on the team and the one that the players that will have to, you know, he'll have the rookies following his lead. Uh, House is quite likely to be a starter for the Packers, assuming he's healthy. You'd like to think at some point the Packers will develop some players that will overtake him on the depth chart, although we don't know how quickly that's going to happen. It might not even happen in 2017. It could very well be that House is the starter or a starter until his contract expires. Uh, but as I've said previously on this show, he's more likely to be a perimeter or outside cornerback, whereas the younger players on the roster like Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins, they'll handle those slot or inside duties. But uh, that's to give you the, the latest update on Devon House, the most recent free agent signing for the Green Bay Packers. Will it be the last? Uh, we'll see about that. Uh, obviously, the the first wave and maybe even the second wave of free agency has come and gone. We're now in the third wave and kind of the underrated kind of signings that may happen um, in across the NFL. In other contract news, we learned over the weekend that the contract signed by former Packers running back Eddie Lacy signed with the Seattle Seahawks includes a clause tied to his weight, potentially worth up to $385,000. Lacy has to make weight on up to seven different occasions. This includes being 255 pounds in, in the month of May, 250 pounds by June and August, and then 245 pounds in each of the months from September to the end of the season in December. Hitting that target will earn Lacey $55,000 each time. Um, you know, according to Bob McGinn, Lacey reportedly weighed 267 pounds during one of his free agent visits, meaning he has to lose at least 12 pounds if he wants to earn that first $55,000 in time for the off-season program. Uh, how much the ankle injury suffered last season while with the Packers will impact Lacey remains to be seen. So considering the ongoing saga Lacey went through with the Packers regarding his weight, it was interesting to see the details of that contract signed by his new team, one that will count towards the compensatory pick formula for the Green Bay Packers. Those contract de details courtesy of Field Yates at ESPN.com and, of course, as previously reported here on Railbird Central, Lacey's total value of his contract worth up to $5.5 million. You know, that includes his base salary, the signing bonuses, and all the other bonuses which he may or may not make uh it's up to Lacey to to earn those and um uh, yeah just some news now on a former packer but like i said notable because the contract he signed with Seattle will count toward that compensatory draft pick formula for the Green Bay Packers it won't be for till you know 
little less than a year from now until we find out what specifically the Packers get. Uh, but it becomes more in focus with each passing day as we learn those details. I have one NFL draft note today. Thanks to Josh Norris of Roto World, who told this news on social media, I guess. Uh, we have the first reporting of a prospect the Packers will bring in for a pre-draft visit. According to Norris, the Packers will host Purdue wide receiver D'Angelo Yancey on a visit in the in the month of April. We don't know the specific date, but in April sometime. Yancey was Purdue's leading receiver the past two seasons. Um, it's worth noting he wasn't invited to the NFL Combine, kind of considered one of the, the top players not to be invited or snubbed, if you want to use that word. Uh, although Yancey did take part in the NFL-ran East-West Shrine game, so he did take part in one of those you know, postseason college football all-star games. The Packers can invite up to 30 prospects on official visits prior to the NFL draft, and this is just the first of many we'll learn over the coming weeks. Many times the pastor, the Packers or, or the players the Packers host on these visits uh, will end up becoming some of their undrafted free agent signings, although that's certainly no guarantee. There's, there's just a, a good chance then, opposed to the and any other players that uh, the Packers don't necessarily host, um, there's a better chance of that happening. So there you go. That's that's what I've got here on a Monday uh, at a time period when there's not a whole lot of NFL news going on during the off season, especially now. Like I said, the the first and and maybe even the second wave of free agency have have slowed here. You know, and now the signings become more sporadic, not just in Green Bay, but across the NFL. And um, as we start to get ready before the NFL draft, but still kind of being, you know, in the future here, more than a month away. Uh, so it's only going to get ramped up from here. Uh, but that's what I've got going now. So with that being said, we move and press on. The day ahead. There's not much going on in the world of the Green Bay Packers this Monday, although the Pro Day circuit gets heated up again after two days without any events over the weekend across the country, that being Saturday and Sunday when the world was focused on college basketball instead of college football. But here is the list of universities hosting Pro Day events on Monday. They include North Carolina State, Syracuse, Hawaii, Toledo, Central Michigan, Bowling Green, North Carolina Central, Merrimack, and Azusa Pacific. The Packers will have scouts in attendance at several of these events, although we don't know specifically which ones because the team doesn't publish such information. But now you know where they're taking place and when. Uh, there will be more pro days to follow the rest of the week and into the next month. Um, so there you go. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them tomorrow or the next day or anything like that, but we'll touch on them in the episodes to come on Railbird Central. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll give you an update on, on Wednesday and Friday, what's happening on the pro day circuit as it kind of continues through 
those those pro day workouts wrap up in in early April, so a couple weeks before the NFL draft, and and after that point, that's when teams start to bring in those players like Yancey on the pre-draft visits. It's kind of like one of the last things you'll learn uh, about these prospects before the draft itself takes place uh, this year in late April. Um, And so that does it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today. A rather short episode here, like I said, during the off-season, in which there's not a ton of Packers news Maybe there'll be a signing out of the blue that we can break down on the next episode. We'll find out. But Railbird Central, regardless, airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. So we'll be back again with our next episode on Wednesday. We'll see you later, folks. Have a good Monday. We'll talk to you again just a few days from now. I leave you today with a song called Colliding by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go, pack, go, 